0: This is Haas, and this is Samson, with Franks and Deans, in Las Vegas, Nevada, and, and unless, unless we, we feel, feel like screaming at, at the radio, we never listen, listen to I, I Doubt It with Dallamore. Dull- Guy's such an asshole. Yeah, but she's kind of hot, though. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. Episode 110 of I Doubt It with Dallimore on this March 29th, 2015. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting across from me with beautiful dark brown hair, my lovely co-host brittany
1: page Hmm. interesting
0: well you you have brown hair now
1: yeah i do <laughs> i do i dyed my hair brown
0: well you didn't do it i think you had it done
1: right i had my hair dyed brown
0: i cannot imagine you taking on such a such a monumental task as dyeing your hair
1: no uh, there's no way i could handle that
0: i had my mom visiting me in, in when i lived in washington dc and she, like me, has red hair and my mom is, you know, older and getting on in age and she was going gray just like I am mm-hmm. and wants, like any lady, I think, not want to go gray. And she dyed her hair with a, a a box of hair dye she bought, I'm assuming, at like a Walmart. Yikes. In one of my downstairs bathrooms. And I didn't know until she left. It may have been the day she was leaving, but it looked like someone had poured strawberry dye everywhere in the bathroom.
1: So she didn't clean it.
0: Well, I guess that's what happened. But the thing is, is that the, the dye was in places that what was she doing it was everywhere like a like a a, f- a fucking redhead bomb went off in there
1: well maybe she was like dying her hair and had her hair flipped over and then flipped it back and it just went like everywhere i
0: don't know it was a downstairs half bath so it it was probably wasn't the largest area but goddamn
1: Right, so for people, for people who don't don't see pictures of me, or I guess I'm on the logo now. Yeah, you, and, and you I'm are, blonde on the logo. You are
0: officially the logo finally updated in iTunes, and now Britney is incorporated to show you a cartoon version of the lovely Britney Page.
1: Right, so I'm usually blonde, but that requires a lot of effort, and uh, I got kind of sick of that. So we're trying right. something different.
0: Well, good. How are you enjoying spring break?
1: Um, Well, it's not really spring break. Oh, it doesn't
0: start until tomorrow?
1: (laughs) No, it's just that it's it's never really spring break. I always have work to do, even though it's technically break.
0: It was interesting. We talked this week, and Brittany had an interesting, I guess, class where a question was asked, and it was difficult for your classmates to... To answer on the spot the the question that was asked by one of your professors,
1: right? It was like a sentence completion task, and so we had to answer, "I am,"
0: like you, blank, are, you are, right? Yeah. And, and
1: pick one thing that is defining of who you are.
0: It on its face, it sounds like a very easy
1: task. It's not.
0: Yeah, I when you asked me, I was befuddled. I had no idea how to how to address the question or right. even think about. If you had to pick one particular thing to talk about or address or label yourself, right? what would it be? I-
1: it, it's hard to do. And I'm glad that I didn't have to go first because <laughs> I, I wanted to take some time to think about it. Right. And... I was going to say I am an atheist, but I didn't want to define myself in that way. Yeah. And also my professor is a religious person, so I am always nervous to kind of do that reveal, right? Um, then I was going to say I'm a free thinker, and I thought that might have like sounded a little snooty or something. I was yeah. going to say I try to be, um, but I decided on I am a lifelong learner.
0: I think that's great, yeah.
1: Which also maybe sounds a little corny, but...
0: Well, you could say you are curious.
1: That's a good one, too. But that's kind of what I mean. I just I like Maybe to learn. Maybe she would about have things. inserted the
0: word by in there or something.
1: Ye- no, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think she's a jokester like that.
0: Right? Yeah, she seems a little bit more serious.
1: So what would you say for your sentence completion of I am?
0: Well, I, I know what I would say now. But when you asked me. 20 minutes ago
1: you started panicking
0: yeah i i had no idea i am a guy i'm a i'm a nice guy i'm a good i don't know i i think ultimately after giving it five minutes worth of thought that i'm a, i'm a lover
1: oh that's good i think i am
0: i'm I, I love people i i'm a as as angry and hateful sometimes as i i put across or aggravated at shit that goes on um really the 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 bulk of my aggravation comes from those out of power being walked on you know yeah and i, I don't know so so i get aggravated at uh prejudicial pricks
1: Ooh, i like that
0: <laughs> alliteration aside though i mean i i do i think i'm a lover i'm i love love i cry at movies i'm a I'm a a love guy.
1: We love to cry at movies. Yeah,
0: I'd cry the shit out of some crying at some movies.
1: I often tell stories about movies we watched, and then I'll be talking about it and say, yeah, Jesse and I were just sitting on the couch, both just bawling our eyes out.
0: Are you talking about, like, How to Die in Oregon?
1: Yeah, it also happened, like, during The Help.
0: Oh, The Help. Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 What a nightmare that movie was for me. Well, also, because I don't think I'm the typical... When you look at me, you wouldn't think... Crier, right, because you know I'm you know six foot three, two hundred and sixty five two hundred seventy pounds. I'm a big guy,
1: also a ginger, people don't think gingers cry, yeah, we
0: have no soul, yeah, former marine,
1: Jesse was a marine, everybody, <laughs> well, and there's still just this weird thing surrounding men that men can't cry or men can't be emotional, it's, or it's weird for it's men stupid. to do that, yeah, and it's it's, it's very stupid
0: i wasn't raised i mean clearly, I wasn't raised that way, um i was always you know more emotional even when they did altar calls at church when i was a kid um the prospect of the pastor communicating with our 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 heavenly father our god in heaven Mm -hmm. would immediately send me into tears because it was an emotional experience for me so i've always just kind of been a pussy like that yeah all right
1: that's (laughs) Uh, I feel like you went down a couple of notches uh, of that story. I know. You could have saved that one, just put it on the back burner. That is terrible. No one needs to know that.
0: All right. So a little bit of follow up. Last last episode we talked about human pothole, Matt McLaughlin, who has proposed and sent through to the attorney general of the state of California a Something that has been come to be known as the Shoot the Gays Act, but the official title would be the Sodomite Suppression Act. He's a real sweetheart. And there has been a companion or a counter um, act. California's very odd. The voter referendums that, that are allowed to be uh, put through, n- not everything's done through the state legislature. So there has been a counter act put through by a, uh, a lady named Dr. Charlotte Laws and it is called The Intolerant Jackass Act.
1: Right. And it says any person herein known as intolerant jackass who brings forth a ballot measure that suggests the killing of gays and or lesbians, whether this measure is called the Sodomite Suppression Act or is known by some other name, shall be required to attend sensitivity training for at least three hours per month for 12 consecutive months. In addition, the offender or intolerant jackass must donate $5,000 to a pro-gay or pro-lesbian organization.
0: That is awesome. And with us on the phone right now is Dr. Charlotte Laws. How are you doing?
2: Fine. How are you?
0: Very, very well. Uh, I'm glad to see that someone has taken action on this.
2: Yeah, I think I thought it was important to speak up. It's, it's always important to speak against injustice and intolerance. And um, I thought this was the best way is to use my speech to respond to his speech, essentially.
0: What, what exactly is your... I, I, I kind of get the motivation, but what's your, what's your end game? What do you hope to, to accomplish?
2: Oh, my end game. Well, my end game is essentially to silence him and to, um, you know, let him know how ridiculous he looks, and hopefully other people won't bring forth measures like this in the future. Um, you know, he wants people to take his initiative seriously, and I think when you make fun of him and show what a fool he is, I think that's the best way to counter him. And I want the world to know that our state is an open-minded state and that we accept other kinds of lifestyles. And, I mean, this is, you know, California is very open-minded. I mean, we have San Francisco and West Hollywood and the entertainment industry. And it's kind of shocking that this guy is sitting down there in Orange County who happens to be an attorney (laughs) to bid. So that's really kind of amazing. So um, so I just thought that was the best way to respond. And I, I don't have plans to circulate for signatures, um, but, you know, some people have contacted me and said they'd like to. Um, my particular initiative, I realize, is also not constitutional, because it obviously silences free speech, so, right. you know, it would it's not something that would pass, But um, and if the Attorney General is able to get the Supreme Court to say that she doesn't need to um, do the summary and, and put together this information, then I will withdraw my initiative.
0: No, that's great. Now, I take it you don't know, and I'm giving him a little too much credit, but Mr. McLaughlin, you you don't really know who he is?
1: I don't know who
2: he is. I I did read online that he had brought forth a measure regarding Bibles in the classroom in 2004, and that's really all I know about him. Mm -hmm. I do know he has not talked to the press, and that um, one reporter told me that his voicemail box was filled up a couple of days ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we... uh, we we gave out his number probably 10 separate times on our last episode. And for those of you who would like to know it, it is 949-285-7902. I would say keep calling because, uh, you know, n- nothing better than to let him know that he's uh, on the wrong side of history and certainly on the wrong side of the opinions of uh, Californians than to call him and let him know. Well, that's great. Listen, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate the... Uh, the the effort i know that this wasn't uh putting something like this forth to the attorney general isn't free it did cost you 200 bucks and uh it's uh it's good to know that people are spending their money and taking their time to to combat uh maniacs like matt mclaughlin so okay
2: well thank you so much
0: yeah thanks for joining us we appreciate it
2: okay take care bye-bye bye
0: you know it's interesting um, when I first heard about this, uh, a listener turned me on to this, and my very first instinct, my, my first response was, what a colossal waste of government resources. Because he's already wasting the government's time. Why do we need to pile on? But she makes a good point that it is, it's going to be a good thing to shame him and to bring to the light of day his, his, his bigotry, his hatred, his idiocy right also i don't think that it's going to be that colossal a waste of government resources especially for the fact that she's not planning on going forward with a signature drive which ostensibly is a the way i understand it a pretty big undertaking right which is what makes me believe that uh, matt mclaughlin's probably not going to have what it takes to to put together the nearly 400,000 signatures he needs because they also need to be validated by the secretary of state in order to make the, the ballot initiative official. So, right. But, you know, the other thing is, is uh, I don't know that necessarily her, her effort as valiant and noble as it is, I don't necessarily think it was, it was uh, needed because of the fact that California is a very open-minded state. And this guy has he's already made himself a pariah. It just bothers me that there are still are these these types of individuals with these these beyond archaic attitudes in the year 2015.
1: Well, and it's just like we talked about on the last episode with Phil Robertson. Yeah, and how someone like that has this massive platform, you know? Hannity and in- invites him on the show like once a week or something. They're like best friends, and I mean that's a legitimate news person who's on on the air every night, right. having Phil Robertson on to talk about these archaic weirdo beliefs.
0: Right. Well, I th- let's. I want to correct. I think you mean Hannity is considered a legitimate news person by some.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: He is yeah. no, no in no way, shape, or form legitimate. He's just, he has a legitimate platform. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for
1: correcting me. But I thought that that would I don't would want have... the
0: emails to come flying in. No,
1: I thought that would have been conveyed just naturally that right. I don't feel that way about Hannity. I would hope that people don't think I think feel maybe that way about your, Hannity.
0: Your secret love for Sean oh, Hannity oh, is God. just starting to show. Uh, no. It's starting to filter out.
1: No, 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 yeah. no, no.
0: Well, it's a weird thing that we're going through in this country right now relative to the religious in our country... You know, Pew Research did a poll that seventy-three percent of the world's population lives in an area where they are the religious majority. And that is certainly true in the United States. Christianity is the overwhelming favorite. It is the overwhelming winner year after year in the race for who is the most who is the majority faith in the United States. And this cry of persecution as though they're a minority, as though they're in a position to cry about their persecution is, it's beyond ridiculous and it smacks of manipulation every day, every single time that it's, it's said or talked about. dollar 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Really quickly, before we move on to the main chunk and the main segment of democracy, I want to talk about Hillary Clinton and her her emails and this issue that has been hounding her. It's like the it's she it's like she's pig pen in in the peanuts, and it's this cloud of controversy that, you know, because he's a dirty kid and the, the dirt's everywhere.
1: Yeah, we know who Pigpen is. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Some of us might not.
0: I got I got nothing for that. Thank you.
1: Is it called The Peanuts or you know, is it we, called Charlie Brown?
0: I think it's called The Peanuts. The show? Yeah, Peanuts.
1: Huh.
0: You know, we don't have a studio audience to laugh at my my jokes when they die, they die and I just I'm sitting here languishing in silence.
1: Well, I was trying to find my link. All right. Well, anyway, sometimes you need to carry yourself. How about that?
0: Oh, is that where we're going to go now? <laughs> so, So it has been revealed that Hillary Clinton has permanently deleted all of the emails and everything on that email server, her private email server. And I believe this to be problematic or possibly um, very problematic for her presidential campaign.
1: Right. And this was revealed by the Republican chairman of a House committee investigating the 2012 Benghazi attacks. Um, Representative Trey Gowdy, Republican, South Carolina, said the former secretary of state has failed to produce a single new document in recent weeks and has refused to relinquish her server to a third party for an independent review, as Gowdy has requested. Clinton's attorney, David Kendall, said Gowdy was looking in the wrong place. In a six-page letter released late Friday, Kendall said Clinton had turned over to the State Department all work-related emails sent or received during her tenure as secretary of state from 2009 to 2013.
0: And here lies, here lies the problem. Here's where the rub is. It's again, as I've said in previous episodes, just trust me. Wink, wink. I'm telling the truth. Wink, wink. Everything's above board. Wink, wink. You just have to take my word for it. I gave up all of the emails that you needed. Well, can we double check? Can we look at your server, Miss Clinton? Oh, sorry, I deleted everything on it. You can't. This just smacks of the same kind of politics that we lived through during the 90s with Bill and Hillary Clinton. Nothing seems to have changed. They seem to want to have the American people believe that they are above the rules. Or they certainly believe it. Whether or not they want us to believe it is a different story.
1: Right. Clinton's attorney, Kendall, said it would be pointless for her to turn over her server, even if if legally authorized, since no emails reside on the server or on any backup systems associated with the server. Gowdy said he will work with House leaders to consider options. Speaker John Boehner has not ruled out a vote in the full House to force Clinton to turn over the server if she declines to make it available by an April 3rd deadline set by Gowdy.
0: That all sounds like posturing. However, you know, extricating ourselves from the politics um it's problematic and i think it it lends itself to like i said a uh an overall attitude by the clintons that they are above the rules for everybody else
1: in a statement released later friday clinton spokesman nick merrill said quote she would like her emails made public as soon as possible and she's ready and willing to come and appear herself for a hearing open to the american public
0: yeah that would be I, I that's great. I hope she does. God damn, I hope she does that because we will get to play all-time ty- all kinds of juicy, delicious audio of her. The only problem is since we're not video, you can't see her snarky, shitty attitude on her face while she's bitchy.
1: <laughs> You're alone on that one.
0: I know. <laughs> wow, that was a long pause. With
1: your attitude.
0: Anyway, moving on. Rand Paul has officially failed the Dallamore litmus test. Did you know there was a litmus test?
1: I did not. I want to hear all about it.
0: Well, I've said in previous episodes that if you... It doesn't matter how great your politics are and everything else, and I don't believe his politics to be so great in everything, but if you do believe that gay marriage is an affront to the moral sanctity or whatever the United States... You've got a problem because you're not going to get my vote, and I'm going to scream from the mountaintops that no one else should vote for you, too, because gay rights is a seminal civil rights issue of our generation. Yes. And if you're going to deny fundamental rights from millions of Americans, these are Americans we're talking about, then you've got a problem. Recently at a prayer breakfast, he said the following.
3: First Amendment says keep government out of religion. doesn't say keep religion out of government. So you do have a role and a place here. Uh, I open the Senate each uh, Wednesday morning, and we open it every day with a prayer. So you you have prayer in your government. Uh, our religion is part, part of our daily life and a part of our government, always has been. The one thing I would say is, and this is given us free advice, don't always look to Washington to solve anything. Yeah. And In fact, uh, the moral crisis we have in our country, there, are, there is a role for us trying to figure out things like marriage. There's also a moral crisis that uh, allows people to think that there would be some sort of other marriage. And so, uh, there, it really, there's a role uh, outside and inside government, but um, I think the, the exhortation to try to change people's thoughts also has to come from, from the countryside, from, from everywhere outside of Washington. In fact. We're the most disconnected city on the planet from the people, you know. So don't have a lot of faith in what's going on up here. Doesn't mean don't participate with us up here and try to make it better. Definitely do. But realize, uh, like every other problem, that, you know, I think, you know, I've said this before, we need a revival in the country, Mm. you know. We we need uh, uh, another great awakening with uh, tent revivals of thousands of people (laughs) saying... You know, reform or you see what's going to happen if we don't mm. reform.
1: So uh, a few things. Yeah, there's um, so many. In case you missed it, the key point of that is that Rand Paul thinks that same-sex marriage is, quote, a moral crisis.
0: It, yeah, there's no way around it. That is what he said. I th- I just wrote moral crisis dash gay marriage.
1: Yeah. So he says anyone who believes any other type of marriage is acceptable is a moral crisis. Um, second of all, a private prayer breakfast just sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> Even if they have like shrimp and Sh- po' boys, Listen,
0: it's a breakfast. So let's get shit in order. Those here. are my
1: favorite breakfast foods.
0: I don't care if there's stacks of bacon and just piles of biscuits and gravy. Oh, yeah. The prayer breakfast part of it would make it unpalatable yeah terrible
1: right and then i love how when he was talking about the revival it's like he's preaching and people start saying oh yes Mm, oh amen amen oh oh
0: brother (laughs) yes it's terrible yeah it's it's also it's clearly pandering he's not some religious he's not a mike huckabee right and it's it freaks me out that a man of science he's an ophthalmologist did i say that right i think so I'm not going to try it again. It
1: has an it, it has the M M the, and
0: the P H right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, <laughs> he he's not he's not an optometrist. He's an ophthalmologist. So
1: which means he does he, surgery on the eyes. He's
0: not working at a fucking lens crafter. This guy is a doctor. He is an M D. He is a a man of science, saying that two people of the same sex who love one another and want to join together in a union of marriage is a moral crisis for our country. It's <laughs> if it wasn't so laughable, it would be appalling. Well, along with this, because Rand Paul is another one who is 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 going along with this theme of religious persecution is Mike Pence. The governor of Indiana recently this week signed into law a religious freedom restoration act
1: mm, restoration
0: yeah restoration would indicate that there has been a uh, deterioration in the f- the foundation of religious liberty in our country
1: right well restoration for, of the religious freedom meaning they're they it was gone it was missing right. and now they're restoring it they're putting it back well
0: maybe not missing but certainly broken down like when you restore an old building when they restore the capitol building the dome of the capitol it's because it's deteriorating so they need to restore it religious liberty is not under attack in this country just because you want to disallow gay marriage and just because you don't want to have gay marriage customers served in your bakery or in your flower
1: shop No one wants to arrange flowers for a gay wedding.
0: Can't they just do that on their own? I mean, they're gay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mike Mike Pence, Governor Mike Pence, was on with uh, George Stephanopoulos on This Week, on ABC's This Week. And he... What?
1: That was funny to me. What was? He was on This Week, on ABC's This Week. Yeah, well... I'm I'm easily amused. (laughs) Woo!
0: So he was on This Week... This week on ABC with George (laughs) Stephanopoulos and was asked several times to answer the question, will it be legal to discriminate against gay couples? And the question was asked several times in several different ways. And we're going to start here with a clip that really talks about what is fundamentally problematic with the bill that Governor Mike Pence of Indiana signed.
4: But I think one of the problems that people have pointed out is that in Indiana, your civil rights laws don't include sexual orientation as a protected class. And even some of the supporters of the bill who who appeared with you when you signed the bill, Eric Miller of Advance America, wrote that it will protect those who oppose gay marriage. He put up this example. He said Christian bakers, florists and photographers should not be punished for refusing to participate in a
0: homosexual marriage. So that's it. That's fundamentally the problem is that they don't have a statewide protection for gays and lesbians and right. transgender for the right. lgbtq whatever they're the acronym they're going by these days um there is no protection if you want to fire someone in indiana as it is in idaho right now they just tried to um add the words as they were saying uh you can do that you can fire someone for for just for being gay right um if you choose to not rent to somebody. The same kind of thing. It's, it's, there's no other way to look at it other than discrimination. And this is why I talk about this being the seminal fundamental civil rights movement of our time. So on to the very first time that Stephanopoulos asked Mike Pence the question.
4: So this is a yes or no question. Is Advance America right when they say a florist in Indiana can now refuse to serve a gay couple without fear of punishment?
5: Well, let me explain to you. The purpose of this bill is to empower and has been for more than 20 years, George. This is not speculative. The purpose of this legislation, which is the law in all 50 states in our federal courts, and it's the law by either statute or court decisions in some 30 other states is very simply to empower individuals when they believe that actions of government impinge on their constitutional first amendment freedom of religion and frankly george there's a lot of people across this country uh who uh you're looking at the obamacare uh, and the hobby lobby decision looking at other cases who feel uh, that their religious liberty is being infringed upon
1: so, of course, he, he didn't answer. And I right. think what's funny about the progression that we're going to see here, because he's given the opportunity to answer this question like six times, and he does not ever answer it. But right here, he, he he answered better than he does going forward. Yeah, it
0: only gets worse from here. It
1: actually sounded like something, even though it was just an appeal to popularity, right? He's saying, well, the majority of states have this situation. Right. He didn't answer the question.
0: So, question asked number two:
1: Yes or no? If a florist in Indiana
4: refuses to serve a gay couple uh, at their wedding, is that legal now in
5: Indiana? George, this is this is where this debate <laughs> has gone with with misinformation and. Uh, frankly, it's just a question, sir: Yes so, or well, no? Well, well, there's been shameless rhetoric about my state and about this law and about its intention. All over the internet. People are trying to make it about one particular issue, and now you're doing that
0: as well. It's so great because it really is simply a yes or no question. It's no more complex than that.
1: Right. The answer to the question is not George. <laughs> That's how he responds to every. It, oh, George. Yeah. George, now please.
0: And it happens a third time.
1: Sir,
4: I'm, look, I'm just bringing the, up the a question, message from I think one of your supporters. Here- that was one of your supporters who was talking about the bill right there. It said it would protect a Christian florist who uh, yeah. against any kind of punishment. Is that
5: true or not? George, look, the, the issue here is, you know, is tolerance a two-way street or not? I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk about tolerance in this country today having to do with people on the left. Uh, and, uh, but here, Indiana steps forward to protect uh, the constitutional rights and privileges of freedom of religion uh, for people of faith and families of faith uh, in our state. And this avalanche of intolerance that's been poured on our state is just outrageous.
1: Uh, okay, so this is the same argument that everyone does, right? Tolerance is a two-way street. Right. Um, just bake the cake and shut up. Right. Just shut up. You're well, you're the one that's being intolerant when you don't want to bake a cake for a gay person. It's.
0: It's this. It's, well, you know, tolerance is a two-way street. So listen, you gays. You should tolerate and be tolerant of my wanting to oppress you. Right. Of my wanting to strip away your civil rights. Right. It's, that's my religious right. It's, I I have the right to, to practice my religion in any way I see
1: fit. Right. Because of the closely held religious beliefs. Uh,
0: it's. It's disgusting. There's really, goddamn, there's no other way than to describe it as filthy, bigoted prejudice. So he asks a fourth time. Tolerance is a two-way street. So when you
4: say tolerance is a two-way street, does that mean that Christians who want to refuse service or people of any other faith who want to refuse service to gays and lesbians, that it's now legal in the state of Indiana? That's a simple yes or no question.
5: George, the, the question here is, if, the, if there is a government action or a law that an individual believes impinges on their religious liberty, they have the opportunity to go to court, just as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act that Bill Clinton signed allowed them, go to court, and the court would evaluate the circumstance under the standards articulated in this act. That's all it is. And when you see these headlines about about Indiana the license to discriminate in Indiana and and it it just I'm telling you, George, uh it is a red herring, and I think it, it's deeply troubling to millions of Americans, uh and and frankly people all across the state of Indiana
0: who feel troubled. Odd that he didn't answer the question.
1: George
0: Or, or maybe it's not really odd because it it speaks volumes. I gl- I'm glad that this happened. I'm glad this took place because it shows what the answer is. By him refusing to answer, his silence speaks louder than any words that he could speak. Right. He, it does. The answer is yes. That's exactly what it means, George. Right. They can be discriminated against. They can be refused business and refused public accommodation in a restaurant, in a bakery, in a florist, by a photographer.
1: And I know people don't think this, but when I hear this, all I can think of is decades ago right. when there was an argument over how we were going to be treating black people. Right. And, this- and whether,
0: w- whether they could marry whites or whites could marry blacks or they could go to the schools or whether they could eat at the same lunch counter. Right. Or which water fountain they could fucking drink out of.
1: Right. I... This is no different to me, and I don't understand how it is different to those who are making this argument. It's just going to be a couple, well, not a couple, I don't know how long, it won't be that long, before we look at these people and we say, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, everybody. It's going to be a universal thing.
0: I do think it's going to be very rapid. I would say within the next 10 years. And there will be your hangers-on, just like there are hangers-on with the race issue, But through attrition and through time, because they are dying off because of old age, they won't be around much longer. So toward the end of the interview, Stephanopoulos just came right out and asked him about the, as Idaho puts it, add the words about adding um, state protections for gays and lesbians. I'm
4: trying to get that same clarity. And it sounds to me like what you're saying is that someone could use their religious faith as a defense against any kind of a suit brought there. But let's try to get to that clarification. You're talking about one fix that people have talked about is simply adding sexual orientation as a protected class under the state's civil rights laws. Will you push for that?
5: Uh, I will not
0: push for that. All right. I guess that clears it up.
1: <laughs> Finally, an answer.
0: Right. No, nope. I'm not going to do that. No, gays are not important. Gay Indianans... Is that are they indianans?
1: I have no idea.
0: Indiana that sounds correct. Indiana ins, indianonians
1: getting worse. <laughs> colder
0: Gay indianans, uh, no, they don't deserve protection under the law for, from persecution and um civil rights abuses. no, they're they're not they shouldn't be a protected class.
1: I know what an insane answer where
0: we're gonna fight for Christians who have really, hundreds of years under their belt, thousands of years under their belt of, of supremacy. Right. <laughs> so he asks a fifth time.
4: Final question. Final yes or no question, Governor. Do you think it should be legal in the state of Indiana to discriminate against gays or lesbians?
5: George. <laughs> it's a yes or no question. Hoosier, ah, come on. Hoosiers don't believe in discrimination. I mean, the way I was raised in a small town in southern Indiana is you're, you're kind and caring and respectful to everyone. Anybody that's been in Indiana for five minutes knows that Hoosier hospitality is not a slogan. It's a reality. Sounds people like a slogan to me. People tell me when I travel me. around the country, gosh, I, w- I went to your state and people are so nice. I mean, this is not about discrimination. This is about protecting the religious liberty of every Hoosier,
0: of every faith. Every Hoosier of every faith Again he's going back to Look this is about protecting religious liberties Of a group Whose liberties are not in danger Right We're we're restoring the liberties That were never deteriorated In the first place
1: There are gay people of faith by the way
0: Right So the question was asked a final Sixth time By George Stephanopoulos
4: Yes or no should it be legal to discriminate Against gays and lesbians
5: George, you're, you're following the mantra of the last week online, and you're trying to make this issue about something else. What I am for is protecting, with the highest standards in our courts, the religious liberty of Hoosiers. Uh,
0: he's disgusting. He's a coward. It is cowardice that he cannot answer that question. Stand behind what you believe, Governor Mike Pence. If... If it's something you believe in, it's a strongly held religious conviction, then fucking answer the question. What makes him above answering the simple yes or no query by George Stephanopoulos?
1: Well, that's the thing. If what you believe in is something that you're choosing to believe in, you should be proud of that, right? right? Why, why, are you, why are you afraid to answer how you genuinely feel? Is it because you're ashamed? Is it because it's wrong?
0: Right. Well, because you know there will be backlash because it's wrong. It's. He, he, it reminds me, uh, just about a year ago, there was the same type of bill uh, being bandied about in Arizona, and Anderson Cooper had Senator Al Melvin, who was a, uh, a state senator in Arizona who was running for governor at the time, and had these same type of questions for him, and... I loved it so much I had to screen grab it and put it on my YouTube page as a video and this is what took place. And as a side note before it starts, I really wish George Stephanopoulos had handled the governor of Indiana the same way that Anderson handles State Senator Al Melvin.
6: In the law, If somebody is fired because they're gay or lesbian in your state, is that discrimination? Would you say that's discrimination? I I don't know of anybody that discriminates in our state, sir. Okay, okay but I'm just saying. But if somebody if somebody is fired, a boss doesn't like some guy on their staff or a woman on their staff because they're gay or lesbian, and they're fired for that, which is legal because there's no protection against for sexual orientation, is that discrimination? You know, you're trying to distort a religious freedom bill and... Sir, you're running for governor of the state of Arizona, you're running for governor of the state of Arizona, you're going to be governor of gay and lesbian people, and you can't even go on the record and say if a gay and lesbian person is fired simply for being gay or lesbian, that's discrimination? You can't even make that leap and just say, yeah, that would be discrimination? I I don't know of any case like you just cited, sir. I want to give you one more opportunity, because I think this is going to come back on you. If somebody anywhere in America is fired because they're gay or lesbian, and that's the reason they're fired, just because somebody doesn't like them, and it's legal in that state, is that discrimination? I'm against all discrimination, and I want maximum uh, religious freedom, sir. So, okay, that's, you can't answer that question then. I'm, I, I gave you the opportunity. That's Center, my answer to you. I hear I you. Know, I know you're trying to set me up, and I'm not going to stand for it, sir. Okay. Senator Al uh, Meldman, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And I want to introduce you to Kenji Yoshino. And I'm and
0: I'm and I'm not gonna stand for it, Anderson, as I fumble my way through trying to answer your questions with giant ten second long pauses.
1: <laughs> I think he's older than Mike Pence. Oh, so yeah. I think that's what sure. you know took him so long to formulate his nope, thoughts.
0: That is not it. He is just an old turd who loves to be a prejudiced dickhole
1: okay and also i want to note that the horn the sad horn that you heard is not something anderson cooper played that's your Uh, video on uh, youtube i
0: (laughs) I put in that sad horn so just
1: in case people were wondering so
0: this is this happened this this last week that arizona state senator sylvia allen colleague of senator al melvin this wasn't a year ago this was just recently in a committee hearing had this to say about the moral decline of our country Again, to preface the, the, the audio here, <laughs> she said this in committee, in her official capacity as an Arizona state senator.
1: It's knives or you can use whatever. It's the soul that is corrupt. And how we get back to a moral rebirth in this country, I don't know, since we are slowly eroding religion at every opportunity that we have. Uh, probably we should be debating a bill requiring every American to attend a church of their choice
6: on Sunday to see if we can get back.
0: You know, he- here's here's the thing that oh, fuck. every once in a while a liberal will will talk about the Tea Party or this type of politician and call them the American Taliban or compare them to ISIS. And I used to be the type that would say, oh, that's just hyperbole. You shouldn't do that. That's not good for the political discourse. But what's different? Other than the murder, other than the killing, what is different ideologically between that lady and someone who's in the Taliban? She wants the government to to debate whether or not they should mandate religious services, the good thing is I would have the choice of which denomination to choose. That's completely abhorrent. And counter to the Constitution of the United States, which she swore to uphold and defend. It's deplorable. It's terrible. And it seems to be a growing trend. What do you think the, what do you think's going on?
1: Well, I I wouldn't make the leap to compare to the Taliban and all that. Well, I think, but that- I understand the theocracy argument. Right.
0: Well, I'm not saying that they are they're no better they're they're no better than the Taliban. Clearly, they're better because there's the murder element isn't there?
1: Right. Well, I just I know what you know my own people, <laughs> the left, try to do when they say that, and it's it's a, a disingenuous thing to say. I you don't can- think
0: it is. I not anymore. I don't think it is. I get what you're saying and I used to be in your camp on it and I know you're a liberal but to me it's other than the killing what's the difference because the Taliban they they demand you be in a certain religion
1: right well so other than the killing well that's a huge part yeah of calling someone you're like the Taliban you're the American Taliban no, because the Taliban murders people, and that's a key element yeah, to, yeah, how yeah. They, to how they implement their theocracy, to how they get people to be how they want them to be. That's what they do. That's the tactic they use. This woman, she's just talking, and there's nothing that she can do to actually make her belief a reality.
0: Other than the fact that she's an elected representative in her state. Other than the fact that she represents a large swath of human beings who voted for her, and that her votes create laws... And if she is in a position of power to influence other other legislators to vote in crazy ass laws like this.
1: And so there is a possibility that she could actually do this and that there would be no repercussions.
0: Well, it's slim, very slim, astronomically small possibility. But my larger point is that where are we in America that this kind of person Has been put in a position of power, in a position of leadership, where where she's clearly intellectually incapable of understanding the Constitution and the formation and the foundation of our laws and the kind of government and society that our founding fathers set forth. It's...
1: Well, I don't know what kind of debates or, or how the elections go on this level, but I, you know, for the presidential election, they have a science-based set of questions that they answer. Sure. And I think this is an important element that that anyone who's elected should be answering because just basic, like intelligent reasoning type skills are important for any of these jobs. And the way that this woman is talking, she's acting as though. Someone going to church on Sundays is going to make them better. And, you know, tell that to all the pedophiles that are in the Catholic churches harming little babies. Right. And tell that to, you know, murderers that are Christians and all these people that commit atrocities that go to church every Sunday. Come on, lady. You have to be smart enough to know that going to church on Sunday doesn't mean you're a good person.
0: Well, even the percentages of inmates are overwhelmingly religious.
1: I mean, I can think back on when I was going to church and I I loved going to church when I was a teenager because I felt like I was surrounded by these moral adults. I really did feel that way. And then I grew up and I'm friends with many of them on Facebook still. And I've seen them have affairs. Leave their husbands. Many of them. uh, Break up. Have domestic violence situations. Drunk driving. They're just like anybody else. Right. They're just like anybody else. Right. Just because they go to church every Sunday does not mean that they are superior morally. I'm not
0: actually moral. I just play one on Sunday. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. Look, and I do get fired up and I get pissed off. um, And I do. I lean toward the hyperbolic. That's my. That's my groove. And Maybe you- that
1: should have been your "I am" statement. <laughs> I am hyperbolic.
0: All right, all right. Well, b- before we move on from this religious nutter crazy shit, I do want to I do want to talk about and play a clip of a woman named Rebecca Greenwood, who fancies herself a religious prophet.
1: Mm.
0: And when asked whether or not uh, she displayed prophetic talent or ability. Early in life, this was her answer.
6: Did you know before that that you were a prophet? I mean, no. had you been manifesting anything in terms of yes. seeing visionary or, or getting words for people?
7: Absolutely. But, you know, when you're, and I'm thankful for our upbringing, but when you're raised Southern Baptist, there's they don't there's no wording for it, yeah. and so even when I was a little girl, I mean we could I could be watching a show with my parents, and this is kind of funny and humorous, but we were watching a show about the killer bees in Africa, and I looked at my dad, I said, "They're coming to America. Those killer bees are coming," and he laughed. And he said, "No, they're not. They're in Africa." I said, "Daddy, those killer bees are coming to America," and I'll never forget. I got a phone call from my dad. He goes, "Do you remember about 15 years ago when you were a little girl and you said that?" I said, "Daddy." He goes they're here in america now so and i'm really good at going to movies and i didn't know why and lots of times we could be sitting watching a movie and i'd look at greg even before i understood i was a prophet and i'm like this is going to happen this is going to happen this is going to be the outcome <laughs> so lots of times he would tell me don't tell me what's going to happen in the movie if you understand before it's happening i don't want to know before
1: it happens you know okay no you're, you're- <laughs> It is so good. Your I am statement should have been I am a prophet because you are so good at knowing what happens in movies. Yeah. And apparently that's a prophecy.
0: The other night, uh, (laughs) the other night, Brittany and I watched Cold Mountain. Uh, I had never seen it, which is weird because it was critically acclaimed. I thought it was kind of a turd. But several times throughout the movie, I am forecasting what's going to happen. At the end, there's going to be the showdown between... Well, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen a movie that came out 15 years ago. But at the end there's going to be the showdown between your your valiant veteran war hero, Jude Law, and and the bad guy, the guy who played French on The Departed, Frenchie or whatever his name was. Those two people are going to have a, a like the epic duel. And I said, well, and he, he, he'll probably die because it's you know kind of a morose picture. And there were several other things that I just suspected would happen. And it's not because I'm a prophet. It's because movies are formulaic. The reason every goddamn romantic comedy on the face of the earth is boy meets girl. Boy falls in love with girl. Things are going great. uh Uh-oh, something bad happens. Boy has to win back girl. Boy wins back girl. That's the formula for a romantic comedy.
1: So what I'm most interested in about this woman is the people who believe her. So someone says they're a prophet and they say, you know, they predicted the killer bees coming from Africa to America over a 15 year period. (laughs) And so did science. And they can predict what happens and bring it on. So if you are capable of these things and you say I'm a prophet and people believe you, I want to hear from those people. Because yeah. why do you why do you believe that someone is saying that? Well, additionally, if you believe anyone is a living prophet, what what's to say that she's not then? Why don't you believe her if you believe someone exists on this planet that's a right. living prophet? Right. She could be too, right? Yeah.
0: Well this goes to my larger point, and I didn't even mean for this to happen, but those people, all those people who believe her to be a living prophet. Those are the kind of people who are voting State Senator Sylvia Allen into office. Those are the kind of people who think it's a good idea for Sunday services to be mandatory, but you get to pick whatever flavor you wanna join. That's, this is the problem with people who are uneducated about our government and about our constitution and why I believe our high schools and elementary schools and junior highs should be teaching at a far more in-depth level exactly the history of our country and what we left and what we became and what we hope to become ugh so speaking of education yeah, that was a good one um, 538.com we love 538.com and i say it every single time we talk about them but 538.com did a, an article did a study and released some numbers about what we're missing In measuring who's ready for college.
1: Right. So the most common way that people assess college readiness are GPA, high school GPA, ACT scores, and SAT scores. And different colleges place different emphasis on some of these. Some people might believe that high school GPA is a better predictor of how someone will do in college. Some people believe the ACT score is a better predictor. Some say SAT. So. What does it really come down to? Well, five thirty eight, um, like you said, compiled a lot of different sources here.
0: Which is what they do. They're awesome.
1: Right. And they found that there is sharp disagreement over whether test scores or high school grades are better predictors of college readiness. And they talk about, in this article, titled... What we're missing in measuring who's ready for college. They say enticing high schoolers and adults to enroll in college without gauging their ability to complete a degree can saddle them with debt they'll struggle to repay if they don't graduate. Identifying the factors that make someone ready for college can also steer non-traditional students, those who otherwise wouldn't attend college or enroll in a weak institution toward a degree. Sean Harper, a researcher at University of Pennsylvania, found that in numerous instances, college recruiters tend to concentrate on high schools with an established track record of talented students, overlooking schools with predominantly black and Latino students, regardless of whether those students are ready for the rigors of college. Hmm. So college recruiters are going to schools where they know they're gonna find these top of the line students.
0: Successful students, whoever who have it, well, it's they're looking for schools that have proven past results right. They are a they are an assembly line for successful college students
1: rather than going to other high schools that would likely have high-achieving, high-performing students that they could help and have come on board. Sure, sure. So they note that each year there are 111,000 high-scoring African-American and Hispanic students who either do not attend college or don't graduate. Since 1995, the U.S. has missed out on about 2 million Black and Latino students completing a post-secondary degree because they are overlooking going to other institutions that don't have these typical, high-achieving, track-record-proven yeah. students. Yeah. So you're missing out on this opportunity to kind of even the playing field, I guess, and give other people who might not have an opportunity, an opportunity.
0: Well, it's also, you're missing out on an opportunity, and the government should really focus on, in on this. It's what we talk about all the time, and what I, I I really think is important, is getting these kids out of poverty and stopping the cycle of government dependence. If, if they were to do a better job of not focusing on these middle class kids who are going to make it, but focusing on the kids who are, who are languishing in poverty and are, have a propensity to drop out of school, have a propensity to not go to college, and have a propensity to rely on the government through social welfare, social benefit programs, the, the colleges are going to be doing everybody a favor by getting those kids enrolled and graduated from college.
1: Right. So the College Board argues that college readiness can be measured by how well a student scores on the SAT, one of the many standardized tests it produces. A student who earns a 1550 on the SAT out of a possible 2400, the College Board says, has a 65 percent chance of achieving a B minus average in her first year of college. Students who clear this threshold, 1550 out of 2400, graduate from college after six years 69 percent of the time while those who score below 1550 graduate in six years just 45 percent of the time in 2014 more than half of sat test takers earned scores lower than 1550 a sign to the college board that they're unlikely to be college ready Hmm. so here's the bummer thing about this is if you are not good at taking tests which I know there's that Daniel Tosh test uh, joke about test taking where he says, oh, yeah, you're bad at taking tests. Yeah, you're bad at the part where they ask you what, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, right, right. But aside from that, I mean, that that probably is true. But just because someone doesn't score well doesn't mean that they won't achieve in college. And right. I know it's based on the average. And so you have to take that into consideration.
0: Are you getting ready to drop some anecdotal evidence on us? Well, it's OK. I listen there's there's I I think that there's too much dismissing of anecdotal evidence because it is still evidence anecdotal anecdotal may it be it's still a level of something that you can reflect on
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll hold off on the anecdotal thing. I'll continue with this for a second. Okay. Uh, William Hiss, a former admissions dean at Bates College in Maine, who argues that college entrance exams do not ec- accurately foretell student performance in post-secondary settings. He and a co-author made the case in a 2014 paper that high school GPAs are much better at predicting a student's college grades and likelihood of graduating. So he places more emphasis on the high school GPA. For Hiss, the SAT and ACT are acting as what any statistician would call a false negative. That is, identifying students as lacking the qualities to perform well in college when, in fact, they can graduate with solid GPAs. Mm -hmm. Um, In many ways, these numbers serve as proxies for other qualities that contribute to college readiness but are much harder to measure. And you and I have talked about this before where completing college doesn't necessarily mean that you are intelligent. It just means that you had the ability to show up, take the tests, and achieve. And that's kind of where this college readiness thing is going now, an increasing number of scholars have begun looking at the non-academic factors that enable students to work their way through the challenges of college and careers. David Conley at the University of Oregon created the four keys to college and career readiness, which include not only testing acumen, but also thinking and reasoning skills, familiarity with the college attendance process, the ability to self-motivate and assess one's progress, and other attributes. Other researchers have set their sights on non-cognitive attributes like grit, motivation and perseverance. Decades of research in psychology suggests that there's power in helping students develop growth mindsets. In other words, if educators change the way disadvantaged students think about their own abilities, the students might perform better academically. Yeah. And so this is where the anecdote comes in. I did poorly on my SAT.
0: Yeah. And I did poorly in high school.
1: I also did poorly in high school. I had a bad high school GPA average and then i was about average on the sat so someone looking at me would think well you know she's average her grades weren't great should we accept her will she do well i graduated college now right. i'm in grad school and also on the gre which is supposed to be the best predictor of how someone will do in graduate school i did very average on the gre right and my first semester i did very well right. in well, grad school so
0: here's the thing um I'm kind of the opposite. I did very poorly in high school, but did very well on the SAT. So it's not really a predictor. And also the other thing with you is life circumstances were very, very influential on your performance in high school and therefore your test results. It was unstable. It was terrible for you.
1: Right. And so that's that's another thing, which is if you're looking at that well that's not really the best predictor because i was having a bad sitch go on
0: Right. right. um
1: <laughs> But also that's why I like the emphasis on these non-cognitive attributes these these things like grit motivation perseverance you can look at my high school grades and you can look at my ACT or SAT and you can think yeah she's she's not going to achieve but you get me in there and I have the willingness to learn I have the grit I have the motivation and that's how other kids are Well
0: there there needs to be some other system than just looking at someone on paper there needs to be a better system of actually sitting down with someone and measuring who they are in a physical personal interaction.
1: Right. And that's that's hard because how do you assess these non-cognitive attributes right. like grit and motivation? Right. I mean, and you that's why I like the personal essay that comes along sure, with the admissions yeah. process because you can show, well, this is what I've done. This is why things might not look so great to you. And you can kind of explain it to the person and they can get a better picture of who you are. And I just think this emphasis on GPA and, and standardized test scores, it doesn't give you the whole picture of who someone is. It
0: definitely does not. Well, that's good. And we thank the people over at 538.com, along with their boss, Nate Silver, <laughs> for, doing, uh, for doing good work. And what do you think about this? I really would like to hear the audience sound off and let us know uh, maybe how they did in high school or just what their general um, attitude is about this particular subject. is the number. You can leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail there. Let us know. Or you can record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So moving on, the FDA is apparently posturing themselves to take a regulatory glance at homeopathic products.
1: Yes, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said it would hold a public hearing seeking information and comment on the use of products labeled homeopathic, as well as the agency's regulatory framework for such products. The hearing, scheduled for April 20th to the 21st, will discuss prescription drugs, biological products, and over-the-counter drugs labeled homeopathic, a market that has expanded to become a multi-million dollar industry in the United States. The agency is set to evaluate its regulatory framework for homeopathic products after a quarter century the fda issued a warning earlier this month asking consumers not to rely on asthma products that are labeled homeopathic that are sold over the counter homeopathic medicines include pellets placed under the tongue tablets liquids ointments spray and creams
0: here's the issue with homeopathy um it's bullshit it is complete farcical Nonsense. Pseudoscience, it would be a very friendly way to put it. There's a video, a TED Talk, in fact, where James Randi takes an entire bottle of homeopathic sleeping pills before he gives his talk. Like 60 homeopathic sleeping pills. He's a tiny little frail old man and was not affected at all. Homeopathy, especially where it relates to um, products that have bold claims, like asthma. I think it's not just unethical and immoral, but it's dangerous to make claims that this product X can cure or help your asthma. And it has some some properties that'll help you when it does not. If you're making claims about a product to help a life-threatening illness that rises to the level of criminality.
1: Right. And I think there are some natural remedies that are used for um, some psychological conditions like St. John's Wort is a popular one for depression and results are mixed on the efficacy with that. Um, All homeopathic drugs basically have either no support or very little support. Right. And I don't know about, stuff with asthma i would be certainly not taking a chance on that or anything cancer related just anything that could kill you well Um, there's
0: this whole market right now with these essential oils yeah where there is zero science and lots of crazy claims where they'll even protect you and immunize you from ebola i mean nutty crazy shit that's being said and the uneducated they get indoctrinated into this movement of these essential oils and they put themselves at risk and that's why the food and drug administration of the united states needs to step in and regulate this market to keep people safe because a lot of people are not smart enough to do their due diligence and enough research to keep themselves from buying these wackadoo bullshit products
1: right and just because something isn't like supported by research at the time. doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to help, but I just wouldn't take the chance on that if I had a serious medical condition. I would go to a doctor and have them give me the the treatment that is based on what they learned in medical school for however long they went. And I just, I wouldn't be taking something that I got at Sprouts Farmer's Market. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right,
0: which is a great grocery store. (laughs) Right. But it's not, it's not a doctor's office. It's not a pharmacy. No. All right. Well, but we're we're winding down here. But before we do, this last week or just in these last past days, there has been a picture that has been circulating online, and I think the title of it is "Bratty Kids," climb all over a war memorial or something like that. But it's it's a picture of of two children who are just kids, so they don't they don't know, but they're they're. Treating the Vietnam Memorial and some of the statues there like a jungle gym,
1: yeah, a photo by artist Matthew Munson. I wonder if he's an artist just because he snapped this pick and it's gone viral. Right. Um, <laughs> has ignited upset over the behavior of a couple of children who recently visited the Vietnam women's Memorial in washington d c. The snap posted on Facebook depicts two kids climbing on the six foot eight inch statue near the Vietnam near the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. and what
0: those are big women.
1: In what Munson describes as a sobering moment, quote, I managed to take some decent photos and even a very powerful one of two little brats climbing over a <laughs> war memorial right in front of a veteran.
0: And it's a veteran in a wheelchair who doesn't look too happy. He looks kind of like, oh, I mean, I can't tell if that's because he's old and decrepit and ready to die and he's bummed out about it or if he's bummed out about the kids on the memorial.
1: The parents were literally laughing. It actually drew a crowd of spectators, and the parents realized how evil they were being and quickly took off. The artist used that language. Right, I didn't. Right. Um, So, yeah, we actually had a similar experience, though. Yeah. We were at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Which is
0: beautiful, in between the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial on the Mall.
1: Right, and there's a pool in the middle of it.
0: With signs all around that say, no swimming or...
1: Or bathing, or yeah,
0: just don't fuck around in the water.
1: <laughs> and there were several tourists. I believe they were adults or teenagers. Yeah, yeah. And they were washing their feet in yeah. the pool.
0: It was a hot day.
1: Yeah, it was hot. The,
0: the thing is, is look on the face of it, this kind of begs the question: is this is this a, is this bad behavior? And I have to come down on the on the on the side of it that it is bad behavior, and not because. Y- y- it's not you shouldn't do it you shouldn't like burning the flag i believe is you you have the right to do that should you do it no i think it's disrespectful i think it's it's tasteless i think it's tactless but it's the same with this with the monument thing it's what the what the monuments represent right especially when you're there with other human beings who the monument is very meaningful for right for instance the world war ii memorial there's many world war ii veterans who were there and it's bringing back a lot of memories and they're they're reflecting on their participation in that war and the many many friends that they lost and then they're seeing these people wash and splash and play and not be reverent in the face of the thing that this 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 monument represents Right. So ultimately, I do. I think that the, these parents were disrespectful. Should it be illegal? No, I don't think it should be illegal, but that's not really the question. It's, is it disrespectful? And it is. And it is. And it's not evil.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm, <laughs> I was, as I was reading it, it was just getting progressively more ridiculous the way this guy was talking about it. Right. Um, Maybe
0: he is hyperbolic. That's his defining word his probably
1: <laughs> I just think it's weird to say I managed to take some decent photos and even a very powerful one all right guy you can yeah. relax calm like- down
0: <laughs> Ansel Adams yeah <laughs> Annie Leibovitz
1: <laughs> yeah we get it you're real good
0: yeah and by the way you probably took it with your fucking iPhone yeah <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up with some Florida Files. And this Florida Files coming at you from the perspective of when you got to go, you got to go.
1: A family of four had a rude awakening Friday morning when the home, (laughs) when the homeowners.
0: I'm sorry. It it would be a rude awake. I can only imagine you waking up in the middle of night and having had this happen.
1: Okay, you're trying to ruin the story for it everybody. It would have been nightmarish. Quit being so prophetic right now and <laughs> let me read the story. All right. Okay.
0: Why don't you start again? Sorry, I, I won't. I'll, I'll refrain from laughing or I'll mute myself.
1: A family of four had a rude awakening Friday morning when the <laughs> homeowner's ex broke in and defecated on several of the family's belongings. The victim was asleep at first, but at least one of the three children inside the home allegedly witnessed Michael Anthony Johnson, 27, break into the home and defecate on things. <laughs> Just defecate on things. Johnson is accused of defecating on the victim's bedsheets, a glass kitchen plate, a wallet, <laughs> And a dresser. A wallet. How high was that dresser?
0: I know. Well, here's my thing. Did he have that much poop? Like, you know, you see a dog, and they walk a few feet, and they piss on a bush, and then they piss on a sidewalk, and then they put piss on the side of a building, and then it's like, how much piss does that dog have in him? But this guy is like a dog. He's like poop there's a lot of poop in there
1: yeah he's just like walking around dropping little turdlets all around <laughs>
0: it's like a deer yeah little little smarty yeah little like smarty pellets. like
1: rabbit pellet poops yeah yeah maybe yeah. he's
0: like a human deer <laughs> it's just a lot of shit it's a shitty situation Brittany.
1: oh wow. that was not good okay Johnson was arrested in January for domestic battery, criminal mischief, and resisting arrest, and was not supposed to be at the home. A court order was issued banning him from returning to the home. The defendant had only been out of jail two days before violating the no-contact order. So, not a good sitch.
0: What a prick. I just... That's a special kind of revenge, Brittany Page.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's uh, definitely criminal mischief, I would say, is the best thing to go with that.
0: <laughs> but why... I, I wonder what what came into the choice of what he decided to shat upon. Like the wallet? He shits on a wallet?
1: Yeah, I don't... I, I'm still wondering how tall the dresser was. Did he jump up? Did it, were his pants down the whole time? I wish there was a video of this. Maybe he perched
0: upon the dresser, like in a triumphant, Ah, I'm up on the dresser, and...
1: Yeah, the bed sheets, The bed sheets. Like then he did it on the kitchen plate. Is that to make it look like food? I mean, like how much thought was put into this? That's that's what I'm wondering.
0: Maybe it wasn't a revenge poop at all. Maybe it was just the guy had to go and he was wandering trying to get to the bathroom, and on the way there was the kitchen glass plate and the wallet. And maybe the dresser was overturned.
1: No, it seems like if you are having an emergency sitch that you're just gonna <laughs> it's just gonna be happening. Just
7: it's
0: it's kind of sounded like poop.
1: Um <laughs> Okay.
0: Wow. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. That is our number. Of course, leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail on that line, or you can email us at idoubtit at If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, we love you for doing it. You can go to Dolamore.com and on the left hand side of the page there, on any page, there is an Amazon.com search bar where you can buy books. You could go and buy Everybody Poops. I bet you that is still in circulation, and you can get it at Amazon.com. There is also a link there somewhere to our Patreon page, which is kind of like Kickstarter, just an ongoing Kickstarter. If you've got extra change, if you've got an extra 25 cents an episode, 50 cents an episode, any amount, you can donate it there, and you can also set a monthly cap. If you'd like to join the growing number of people who are supporting us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore and we would love to have you on board. Other than that, we're going to leave you. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore and this has been I Doubt Just
1: bake the cake and shut up. Just shut up.